Alright folks, episode 36 of Biomast is now live and streaming, and we've got a pretty cool show for you tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about vehicles, which is one of uh, my most favorite topics when I'm riding around with Pokey because it's his most favorite topic, and it's one of Zell's least favorite topics. So we, in, in order to kind of balance out the feng shui of the show, we had to bring on some folks that'll give us a, a little bit different perspective because otherwise we'll just turn into this like, you know, family hating each other at Christmas kind of thing. A lot of people called motherfucker. It'll be awesome. So uh, we'll get into a little bit of discussion about some uh, some vehicles, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a topic that's kind of near and dear to my heart, which is going to be updating the skill tree. Uh, and there's there's obviously been no announcements on that one. It's literally just something that periodically people ask, and it really dovetails well with the uh, the vehicle rework discussion. And I think we'll see why at some point. Uh, after that, we may talk a little bit about the uh, community tre- uh, feedback board, the Trello board, where you can submit some ideas and let some uh, pseudo luminaries on the uh, dust community uh, kind of give you a keep it or coast it vote on your idea. Uh, and I think we, that'll give us enough uh, red meat for tonight because we're obviously going to have two or three like rabbits we got to chase down because that happens every show. Uh, and at some point, somebody says something stupid, and we're going to dogpile on that one. And, and it, it, that's just how these kind of things go. So without further ado, what we're going to do is get started with some intros. We'll go from top to bottom in the list. So Cat Merck, you're up, brother. Hey, I'm Cat Merck, mainly going to assault, a recovering bitter bit, and I am your overlord. Well played, sir. And Goten? Hello, I am God in the Killer. Um, kind of a free roamer. Um, I am also your overlord. Love. This, this, no good will come of this by the end of the show. I can already see that. Uh, <laughs> Iron Wolf. This is Iron Wolf Saber from CPM uh, 0 and 1, and I'm your underling. Confirmed. Kane Sparrow. <laughs> I'm, Kane Sp- hey, I'm Kane Sparrow. I have a former member of CPM 0 and uh, just an uh, all-around desk player these days. And he is a former, former overlord with designs on being a minion. Uh, can, you be a, can you be a former member of CPM? I think there's only one C, former CPM zero, because you're still technically a CPM zero. You're just not seated anymore, like doing anything. I guess your, language, you get... your language choice was very odd. Mind blown. Anyways. <laughs> you're still a CPM zero. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm Pokey Draven from OSG Planetary Operations and co-host here on Biomast. Okay, and Soraya? I'm Soraya Zell, a CPM1 member, a co-host here on Biomast, and, uh, you know, a player in the, uh, somewhat of a leader in Top End. All right, well, I am Jason Larison, and uh, I'm a member of OSG Planetary Operations on Dust, and I fly with Agony Unleashed on the Eve side. And I am also one of the co-hosts here on Biomast. Uh, I also have the, uh, the privilege of, I guess, herding cats tonight. Oh, did you see what I did there? So uh, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and get started. I, what I, what I'm gonna do is turn this over to uh, Zell and Iron Wolf for a quick CPM update. Well, it's well quick is relative. It's it's however much time they need because they do I think have a little bit of news for us, and then we're gonna uh, jump into the red meat topic. So uh, Zell and Iron Wolf, take it away. Yeah, well, by news, I mean, you know, just the usual update on, uh, you know, what, what we've been up to. Um, we had a we had a meeting with uh, CCP Rotati, and uh, Frame was there uh, for uh, this last week, um, where we basically went over um, kind of cl- closing, you know, a few few more of the, the details in on, on what would and what wouldn't be in, in the next uh, 
uh, the next release and just kind of tidying up on some of that stuff as stuff is a bit more concrete now than it was last time we talked with them. Some exciting tidbits of Nerf Day happen. Is if. is that a really uh, a really subtle way of saying? Nye, 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 nye. I'm no. not trying to say it like that, but oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. But Although that is truth. what you guys normally do. <laughs> hey, it's stuff that I thought wasn't being, being considered, so if it happens, it happens, and that'll be a great win for everybody. Now, just just for the record, I'm 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 always pleased when you when you guys have news of something that uh, we had previously been told was not possible, or you know, for for whatever lack of um, understanding on our part, we didn't believe it was possible, and suddenly it is. Uh, but I, I'm just going to warn you: at some point in the near future, we're going to have to go full tinfoil for an entire episode and figure out like why pray tell that is versus what we we have been told many times before by CCP directly. Uh, and I'm all okay with the situation changing, but it, it's just one of those that's kind of interesting when you continue to hear uh, development pushes in, in different directions, really unexpected and very pleasant directions, mind you. Uh, but it's just one of those that kind of just makes you scratch your head a little bit. It's more, it has to do with like getting older and getting wiser and learning more about, about the game itself as you continue to develop it. Uh, that's where a lot of fallout usually happens from. Also, a fresh set of eyes. Yeah, you know, there's that's that is definitely something that uh, I, I think is no small thing when you get a group of people that are actually motivated to figure out how to get to yes. Uh, if if you're in the business world or kind of the management world, you hear that a lot. Is like, how do you get to yes, not get to no? Uh, and that's that's where you normally find solutions to things. You know, situations that we probably see in dust a lot or that you guys see way more than we do, you know, from your seat in the CPM is how do you get to yes? Like, how do you get that feature or an effect like that into the community, you know, to make the game better, more healthy, you know, that kind of stuff. So I think, uh, I, I, like I said, very happy with it, but it's always one that just makes me scratches my head sometimes. You're like, where the hell did that shit come from? But uh, Yeah, same reaction for me when I saw the roadmap. Me too. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, impossible. Well, you know, we were joking about it in the uh, in the Skype channel, but th- the first thing that everybody immediately said when that roadmap came out was, so I guess that means Legion dead. dead. <laughs> you, know, you know, the funny, and, and I think Zell, like you so did. Yeah, like Zell, I think you've caught this. Even in the EVE forums, like people are like, yeah, like, did they shut dust off like a while ago or something? People keep Pe- having this impression of that. Yeah, it's driving me up well, a wall. Yeah, but at half, at half of it's because CCP doesn't actually tell anybody anything. <laughs> so C- CCP did a pretty good job of convincing people when dust was shutting off with uh, CCP with FanFest, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's the thing is like, I don't, um, like some of my, my bros on the EVE side, they, they are, like, when they find out, I, I, you do a podcast, a weekly podcast about dust. They're, they're like, you mean that game that died like a year ago? Is like, is that, is that a thing now? Or I was like, well, you, then you have to give them like the five minute, you know, the elevator discussion on like, you know, well, no, it didn't really die, but it, it was kind of hit in the back of the head and it fell, but then it crawled out of the, you know, out of the room, it sawed its leg off. And, you know, you have to use all these. I mean, it's really, really bad. So you have to go through all these different descriptions of like why it's not dead, but somehow it's. Uh, you, I don't know. Peter Parker's blood got into it, and now shit's working well. So, well, um, like the thing that I want to see them do is, I, I think that it, it, some of the the larger announcements they have a dust forum on the Eve forums, and they don't update it. 
or post to it at all. And yeah, I think that's a great I hate that thing. It's, and I why? think some of the big updates should get cross-posted over there by CCP so that people see the development in Dust. You, you know, you make a great point that, that's probably worthwhile in actually bringing up because, uh, you know, the, the community team is a unified community team. I mean, Falcon will occasionally post on our board for major issues, and Logibro, I think, is still a component of the community team. Falcon locked, locked like 30 threads last week. Yeah, no, yeah, but you, you would think that it would be pretty easy for them to, at least for the releases, you know, like for, for like major releases or something, post that onto, uh, onto the Eve side uh, forms. That would actually right. probably be pretty useful. And if, frankly, you know, I, I mean, I, I show my, my Eve side on this, but I would like them to be able, I'd like them to at least alert players that, you know, there's like major releases or changes in, in Eve periodically too. I mean, they're, if they want to have a shared kind of a shared universe in terms of the game universe, it'd be kind of handy, but right. I, like I said, I, I don't know as far as I can, as far as I know, you know, which is not, not to say nearly as much as you guys, I think they're quite comfortable with building a very subtle, but serious wall between dust and Eve. I mean, they, like you don't even need Eve ships to drop war barges in faction warfare anymore. So um, I'm not real sure that it's real high on their list to do, even though it'd be a pretty simple fix. Yeah, speaking about that, just a little thing. Could they please bring that back? I mean, equipment spam isn't the problem anymore, so please. Oh, you mean I like the uh, like the, war the orbitals? Yeah, from Eve. Oh, yeah, that I, would. I prefer be that cool. over you know. It what we was. Have it was a topic brought up in discussions, and it's still being debated internally. But we're late. I'm leaning towards the um, bringing it back. Bring what back now? Warbarge strikes in faction warfare. Well, it's already back. Eve strikes, not warbarge strikes. Eve strikes are in uh, still in faction warfare as well. Yeah, yeah, no, but mean, yeah. The point is, like, you don't need to. There, yeah. There's no percentage in you putting a ship in orbit and risking it. You could call the same warbarge strike in. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of mixed maybe on it. I'll do it. If you still, I think if there was a, um, ideally, if they had it to where you could just keep the EMP and the large EMP strikes um, in, oh. I think that'd be fine. Because that was to deal, those things were specifically implemented to deal with up high uh, equipment spam. I think um, taking away the ability to take down up high equipment spam um, completely, unless you have EVE, is not necessarily a good direction. Fair point. If you pay me enough, I'll do it for you. Oh no! I'm if sure. we could pay from dust, we could. <laughs> True. You know, Luther uh, Luther Mandrix had a couple of pretty good ideas of, uh, you know, there, there's it, it. It's one of those where you could, it's about what level of functionality you really want to have between even dust and he, he had a pretty good idea about having instead of a kinetic, you know, like a lethal strike, you have like a scan, like a. You know, it's like a an Uber scanner. You can load that up, and you basically get you know full visibility on the map for you know like a minute or whatever. I, I thought that was actually a pretty legit idea, but I, I don't like in faction warfare and P. I don't think it works in PC, but in faction warfare and PC, I don't I don't want like non eavesdropped strikes like at all. And, and I also thought that the bandwidth thing with the logies was one of the ways that they were really trying to cut down on that equipment spam thing, uh, particularly at Pi. And if, you, if you're if you playing FAC War or PC, then you should have the capability to go deal with that shit. Eh, I mean, the thing is, uh, 
the equipment, the bandwidth addressed maybe equip the numerical equipment spam, but not where that equipment actually gets location in term. It's in terms of its where it gets placed. That's that's still an issue that's really not been addre directly addressed. Uh, bandwidth, of course, kind of scratches the surface of that, but I don't think it completely solves the issue. Um, and the EMP strike, the small EMP and the large EMP strike, kind of introduce a play counterplay rather than doing something silly like you know making it where you can't put stuff up high at all. Oh, that was well, a terrible the, suggestion for the, for the spammers. The small AMP no, doesn't no. actually work, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with Too that. Too small of a radius. Absolutely not, it doesn't. Now, they, now I've, I've got a, I will take a little bit of issue with you on that, Kane, is that there was a there was a built-in counterplay mechanic already. It was called, you know, this how you get up high and you put in you put in links or you do whatever. You, you can get up there the same way that they did, if you wanted. And I don't think anybody can can bitch about how ineffective, you know, ADSs are. Uh, so I, I, I never, I never saw. I, it well, was one of those there are things called forge guns that yeah, to sure. that. It becomes a race of who gets up high first. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? Guns. That's kind. Yeah, but that is kind of how it really works. I mean, you you move to seize decisive terrain, no matter where that terrain is. So I. I'm, I'm with you. Like I, I never the problem thought it was that, that big of a deal. That terrain is so ridiculously like overpowering the, the surrounding area, and you, it's very difficult to take. Back. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I totally see that. But again, it, like I said, it's just a different perspective. It's, it's not right or wrong. Like I, I just never viewed it as that big of a deal. Is just another problem I had to work around in a match. So, well, before we get to spun around on that one. Uh, what I would like to do is kind of transition over to a discussion about uh, the vehicle rework. Now, there's been a lot of talk about tanks in particular. We've had some iterations on dropships, uh, but I think I think we're kind of in the mode where they really need to relook vehicles writ large. There's a discussion about what roles do you want to have in the vehicles. There's a discussion about what effects weapons should have and how does that relate to roles. Um, and you know, then you get into what do you want to make a lav? Is that more than a free battle taxi for somebody with a BPO? Do you want, you know, is it, how do you make something worth putting SP into it? Uh, and then also you have the component that when you go through the vehicle skill tree and you look at all of the different things that you need to skill into that give you absolutely no in-game benefit, um, it's, it's pretty staggering when you really kind of, when you really kind of chart it up. Um, uh, so all of those things in conjunction with each other, I, I think, creates a a situation where I think everybody would like the vehicles to be touched on. I think there was – I'm not sure how people feel about tier side. I, I'm going to let you guys get into that one in, in detail and kind of just uh, you know shepherd the discussion a little bit. But Because I, I am not a vehicle operator. I, I, I have put some SP into labs because I really like hunting down tanks and dropships. Uh, in a small lav with, or in a lav with a small rail turret, you know that that was fun for me for a while, but I I have very little experience in tanks and dropships other than, you know, kind of the you know a trolley match or two or something, you know, when we had like eight eight tanks on the on the, on the deck at one time or something. So I'll turn this over to uh, to Pokey to kind of help uh, set the stage for the discussion and let you guys kind of go at it. And I, the only time I'll probably chime in is the occasional, yeah, but how does this actually work if you're a dude on the ground? So with that, I'm going to turn this over to Pokey. So have at it, brother. 
Sure thing. Um, yeah, you hit on a few good issues that you that you you brought up. That is kind of my my overall arcing list of things that are wrong with vehicles. Um, but I, I'll start from the beginning by saying that for those of you who don't remember, who weren't paying attention, or just weren't around, um, some time ago, vehicles underwent a, a massive. We'll call it an overhaul, but it was more of a, a castration. Where basically what they did is they removed a large number, like most of the, the modules available for vehicles. They reduced the number of slots they had and made the uh, modules more powerful, but, which basically made the, the, the fitting of the vehicles very, very boring. I mean, like on, a, on an HAV, you've got maybe one, maybe two viable fits on a tank before, you know, you, you can't really modify it beyond that because you have to have the bare minimum to survive. Um they removed a lot of the vehicle variants, like the enforcer tanks, logistics LAV, logistics uh, dropship. The only one that actually survived that cut was the assault dropship, which was pretty much demanded by the community. So that's that's good that that stayed in there. But they, that was they the were going to cut one. that originally, weren't they? They were. Yes. They were, and people bitched a high heaven, and they yep. they 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 patched it. They patched it back in, which is good because you know specialized vehicles are are interesting and, and make the game fun in the same way that specialized drop suits made the game interesting and fun. So. I, I'm glad that survived, but unfortunately, you know, these others were removed. And this is all under the pretense that, oh, we're taking them out to rework and rebalance them, and then we'll introduce them later, and that obviously never happened. So it's get, gotten to a point where the community is saying, okay, well, let's, you know, rework and rebalance these and get these back in the game, because the point of the matter is that if you're a vehicle pilot, it's extremely boring. Like, as you said, vehicles don't really have a defined role. Um, LAVs are basically throwaway transport. Uh, Tanks are basically there to blow up other tanks and installations, but it doesn't really get much more interesting than that. Uh, your assault dropship is probably the only one that actually really has a role of you know air superiority in, in picking people off of uh, tops of roofs and whatnot. So now that's good. And, and the, the normal dropship kind of has a, a transport role as well, but that's not really clue, clearly defined because it lacks bonuses and whatnot. So, I mean, a lot of the key issues, like you said, is to bring those variants back those modules back um you know properly balance them against the the meta the current meta and whatnot get the slots back in the vehicles the, the dropships aren't in a bad place but the lavs and the the havs have a severe lack of slots you can't do much at all with fitting on those and uh define a role i mean everyone has their opinion of what vehicles should be and i think that you know some of the existing uh, roles that we see like such as transport or you know, uh, anti-vehicle. I think those are good for roles, but there needs to be more than just that. And I think bringing in those variants is going to really help. But first of all, we have to define what those variants are going to be and what we want vehicles to do as a whole. I mean, my personal opinion is, is that I like to see vehicles as less of a roll around stomping people on the ground and blowing up, you know, other tanks and more about, you know, it's a support role and it performs large scale support functions such as like the logistics dropship, having that built in CR, uh, mobile CRU and basically being like the ultimate, you know, spawn point that's, that's flying around dropping people off and whatnot. Or you've got your enforcer tank, which is like the hardcore, you know, anti-vehicle, uh, you know, HAV or your logistics LAV, which is, is rolling around and it can do, you know, mass uh, repairing of infantry. It's, it's, it's stuff that you could do as an infantryman uh, for support, but on a much larger scale because you're on a platform that can actually support that. So, I mean, that's that's my personal opinion. I mean, that's not necessarily the, the opinion of the community there, but I mean, just the, the idea that vehicles need to be more than just, I'm going to go blow shit up or I'm going to go drive from point A to B and more about, you know, what can I do 
that other people are doing, but on a different scale or maybe in a different way. And I think that if we can define those roles, that's going to be really key in making sure we get the vehicles where we need them to be and actually have them be fun again. Because like I said, it is boring as shit. I mean, vehicle piloting right now is just, it's not interesting. The fitting is boring. The gameplay is boring because all we do is roll around and, 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 you know, blow shit up or just drive from point A to B and it's not fun. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a discussion that's obviously heated because vehicles always kind of been a, a hot seat for, you know, AV versus they've vehicles. They've been OP and crud. Uh, well, it depends on what time on the timeline you're looking at, but it oscillates back. It's been oscillating back and forth yeah. in a horrible way. Yeah. It's, it's never really gotten to a point where I felt like this is fun for both sides and it's rewarding for both sides. It's usually one side stomping the other into oblivion, which is not fun because either it's boring or it's infuriating and, and neither of those are, are good gameplay. So it's, it's hard. And unfortunately a lot of the threads. 50 KDR on dropship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's balanced guys. It's totally well, balanced. And, Don't and change I, it at all. And I'll, I'll totally admit that. that no pun it, intended, it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's on both sides though. You've got people on, on both sides that are, can often be very biased because they lack the insight of seeing the other side of the, the coin. And it, it's, it turns into the threads often kind of turn into, you know, a total pile of shit. I mean, the Toddy posted up a, Hey, we're thinking about fixing vehicles. Can we, can we get your feedback in 20 pages? It was just totally a mess. So, well, even, even when Toddy made a party, even when Toddy made a post, he's like, you know, if the feedback can't, doesn't improve in the vehicle thread, they're probably going to just move to, to addressing these things internally, which, you know, that's how bad that thread ended up getting in a lot of ways. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunately. Uh, which thread was it? The vehicle variance one. Yes. Uh, the HAV bring it's back the initiative. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, that one. Sparky's fault. I blame Sparky and Laser. <laughs> I won't. I won't name names, but there are some some heated uh, opinions in that thread. And, and granted, that one is specifically about HAVs, but I think that the the whole idea of of making vehicles have a role in general is important. Not just not just tanks. They just happen to be what Ratati posted about, but I think they really need to be looked at as a whole and, and kind of understood as a whole, because like I said, you know, a lot of missing modules are, are need to be added back in and those can fit on any vehicle. So, I mean, it's important to kind of go, okay, what do we actually want vehicles to do? So we know what to put in the game and how we want them to actually perform. And it's, it's a, it's a big undertaking and it's kind of a matter of how do you want to prioritize? What do you do first? In you know what can I what can we do in, in phases versus what do we have to do all at once to make sure it works with each other and it's it's tough you know and it's difficult to keep the discussion from being a total mess because people do get very opinionated and they have you know very strong opinions about what they what they think it should be and it's often the opposite of what the other guy thinks and it's it, it gets messy so it's been difficult I mean it's been a, a rough couple of weeks here uh, yeah about vehicle roles and the whole thing. I kind of agree with your idea, except that I think like support vehicles should do the support, uh, logistics, LAVs, logistics, uh, dropships, uh, normal dropships, transferring troops, etc. But I think uh, there should be vehicles specifically designed for killing other vehicles. So they'll be hunting the support vehicles. Yeah. While AV would be pretty weak in support vehicles, but pretty strong against uh, attack vehicles, so there won't be a problem where the attack vehicle just destroy infantry. Sure, and, and that, that's kind of that does kind of go along the lines of what I was getting at. That you have infantry with like a forge gun, you know, that's obviously like the ultimate 
AV for, for an infantry as a forge gun. And so when you're looking at like an enforcer HAV, which would be designed specifically to blow up tanks, that's like even a, a bigger version of just that, but with also equally, you know, harsh downsides, you know, they'd have less, less defense or whatever to, to, to kind of counteract that, that insane advantage of the, the, the strong AV. So it, it, like I said, it's, it's doing what infantry do, but on a bigger scale with, you know, appropriate downsides to make sure that it's actually, you know, balanced and not just the total stomp fest. Yeah, just see support vehicles to be pretty tanky, so you have plenty of time to disengage from AV. So you'll need uh, vehicles to actually hunt them down. Yeah, and I mean, you also have to make sure that vehicles aren't totally useless against infantry, because if they're useless, then infantry won't care about them, and then there won't be a reason to blow them up, and there should always be a reason to blow them up. So they have to be powerful in a sense that they are disrupted, that you want to remove them from the the field, but not... Look at it this way. If I had an, a dropship with a CRU just flying around over me, dropping troops on me, or the enemy had an LAV that supplied them ammo and uh, kept them repaired, I would want to get rid of those. Obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's I where mean, I think... I'm sure you want to let... That's where I think uh, LAV should fit in in terms of infantry and... Uh, well... Shenanigans. Yeah, vehicles have to get beyond the role of blow things up, as a former CCP person so eloquently put it. Blam! As for vehicles blowing up infantry, I think they should be fairly weak, just glass cannons, and you will need infantry support to actually survive to get rid of all the AV people around. That's what I think. Glass cannons. I'm... I wouldn't necessarily say that, um, like, say, HAVs, you would have small turrets to deal with infantry, you know? I, I think mm. you could, let, let me, I'm going to throw it's this out. Like, not like a full sort of protection. You would probably still need infantry, say, that there was, like, smart AV trying to, like, get at you. They couldn't necessarily hit them, so you'd still need infantry to go at them, but for, like, small things for, like, an infantry just running across the screen or something, they're not you're trying to get away from you, you might have some small turrets to deal with them, you know? Yeah, one one thing I would kind of offer is that you, I like the idea of kind of breaking the tanks into some different components where one's much more, like, much more about destroying other vehicles and maybe one's more about general support. Uh, But the, what you could look at is dramatically reducing the the speed, like the base speed of the, uh, of like the, you know, like the Marauders, basically. And the enforcers, I think, would be more of the tank destroyer or the vehicle destroyer. And they could be faster with a much, much thinner tank. Uh, no pun intended, much you know, much thinner on the on the HP. That might even things out a little bit. And I, I think the, the point about having small turrets to deal with infantry is very valid. Because I, it's not fun if I'm trying to shoot swarms at a guy that if, if A, he can't get away from me, B, my swarms don't do anything, and then C, he has no way to really shoot at me other than swing a large railgun at me. That's kind of, you know, it's not it's not fun. It's as Pokey said, you've got to figure out a way to make it somewhat fun for everybody. Small turrets can do some damage against infantry, but they've always been kind of they've always been wonky. Like hit detection's been weird with them. I mean, that's true. Just, um, I would like to say no because chromo blasters and missiles were the bomb diggity. They yes, were chromo awesome. blasters 
The I guess when I say wonky, I specifically mean small rails because my goodness. God, yes, God. They, they, they never hit where you want them to. They could do jack shit to anything. They were awful. Rails in general have not they been working properly. They still have robo hit detection. They just fire more, whatever. They just seem to actually have more bullets to go around. Exactly. You can kind of be like, okay, well, my shot went 30 meters to the right. I guess I should go to the left a little bit with my next couple of bursts. And sometimes the shot it hits directly and doesn't do damage. Back then it, have it, it seemed that it, back then it seemed that wherever you would aim, even if you were in a moving dropship, it would still hit the target. So if you were accurate, you could always hit the target. And yeah. I really miss that. I wish they would yeah. come back. Because I, they weren't actually, really powered anything. I actually enjoyed um, in Chrono's own the, the balance counterbalance between um, the infantry and the small missile turrets on the dropships. So yeah, yeah, you could get probably one or two shotted by uh, the small turrets, but at the same time, I could pretty e like there was a good conflict resolution to it in terms of me shooting a forge gun at a dropship. Like you know, someone was gonna win or someone was gonna lose, but it wasn't necessarily like this long drawn out affair. Uh, which was kind of, I don't know, and there was a, definitely you wanted to get rid of the dropship as fast as possible kind of deal. But I don't know, it seems a lot of, it seems some of that's kind of lost now. It's very kind of like, uh, the point now is to scare off vehicles rather than to actually to kill vehicles and the, you know, that sort of thing. Well, this yeah. comes down to an issue that I've, I've been talking about for a while that the, the, the problem is, is that you know, as a vehicle pilot, you've obviously, you're invested in this thing and you're a big moving target and you tend to piss people off when you're on the field with this so people want to kill you. The issue is, is that if you want, you know, to, to survive, you, you people are going to be shooting at you, you, you want to survive. The problem is, is that because AV has to give up so much to like, like to actually run AV because they have to lose their light weapon slot except for like commando, you're basically me saying that if I'm an infantry guy that wants to run AV and I want to fight a vehicle, I am extremely gimped against everything else. Whereas, you know, so so what, what do you do? Do you say, okay, well, AV is really strong because they have to give up so much that we have to make AV super strong. Well, then it's hard to balance against, you know, is the vehicle going to be strong? Like, should one person be able to solo the vehicle? Or should it be three guys to kill the vehicle? I mean, should the vehicle need three people to kill the infantry? And I mean, the issue is, is that because it's, you don't want to make it too easy to kill vehicles, but because people have to give up so much to run that AV that they're disinclined to actually do it because they know they're going to get ripped apart by infantry. So, I mean, like, I'll, I'll quote Titanfall on this one. I'm not a, a huge fan of the game, but what I like about that is that everyone in that game has an AV weapon. And what that means is that the vehicles can be obscenely strong because everyone at any given moment has access to an AV weapon and they don't have to, to give up all anything at all to actually fight. And that actually makes it a little more enjoyable because you can still fight the vehicles. You don't feel helpless, but it's going to take a bunch of guys to do it, which makes the vehicle guy feel strong. Like, okay, I can, you know, one guy against me isn't going to do anything, but if they swarm me, I'm going to get ripped yeah. apart. And, and, and that's that's what I really like because you, you have, you can quickly switch this teamwork where, okay, that this tank is off on his own and you just nuke the shit out of him with your, your your little grenade launchers and whatnot and you can kill him. But at the same time, one annoying guy with a swarm launcher uh, can't blow me up because, you know, AV isn't so strong. But the issue is that because people in dust have to give up so much to run AV that 
they have to make AV innately powerful, but that also means that then if you want to be balanced against vehicles, then the vehicles have to be strong. And then if you don't have enough people running AV, then the vehicles are overpowered. And if people, are, yeah. you know, it, it, it's it's hard to do and it's get it to a, work right. There's not enough AV yeah. saturation. And that, that's my biggest issue with That's why I've always wished that, that the assaults had two light weapons and the commandos didn't exist. Because if every assault had two weapons, you basically have every assault could have running AV all the time which would make it a lot easier to balance. And I think that that's a huge problem. But unfortunately, since commandos exist, we can't really give them both. And it's it's a pain in the ass. I would say that um, they could work on command suits finally, switch commandos for assaults, like like what you were saying, have assaults have two light weapons and then go from there. Would you say that's a good idea? Well, I, I like... I, I wish they, they were the same have the code. I remember them testing out stuff. There's even modules in DSD. I haven't seen any of that, so I can't comment. I seem to remember something like that. I mean, I, I, I guess my point I'm getting at is that I wish we had more saturation of AV on the field because then if everyone's running some sort of AV almost 100% of the time, then vehicles can be strong, which means that you don't have this dichotomy of like, oh, well, one AV guy should solo a vehicle because that is, again, difficult to make fun because then if two guys get AV out, that vehicle is screwed no matter what. Yeah, and at the same I'm, time, go ahead. Like, yeah, like right now, one of the um, I mean, I've from talk, I've talked, you know, been doing AV for a long time and talking to vehicle pilots and stuff. Like one of the roles of vehicles is to disarm the infantry to a certain extent. You get them to switch AV so they're not as effective at dealing with the infantry. I think that being a role has absolutely caused problems. Um, as you're saying, I think that's it's a really good and valid point. Yeah, and I mean, it also the fact is is that it's. Vehicles are not encouraged necessarily to run full vehicles. You aren't encouraged to necessarily fill your your, your small turrets with with people because there. I mean, sure, you've got the additional firepower, and it does obviously provide an advantage. But it's like it doesn't. I, I wish it was almost more required that you have to actually have three people piloting your your vehicle so that it could be extremely strong versus. You know, solo tankers, which are, are are by far you know common tanks, dropships. You see all the time with a pilot by himself. And I wish we had, could come up with ways to encourage more of a a team style of you want to have three people in your vehicle helping you, and then you can say, okay, well, there's three people in the vehicle, and that's you know optimal. And now I need to have three AV guys fight it. I think that's more balanced and more fun than you know one versus one. But we don't really have yeah. that. Well, I think the we other would problem need more people to. No, I think, no, I think, that, I think you're would, going to run into a problem. You're you're going to need more than 16 v 16. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. You would need a lot more people for that point. to work. Otherwise, you, you would just run out of people on the field trying to do that. Yeah, and we've all seen that happen. It would be insane. That's not, yeah, it's, you get like seven guys trying to fight for three points. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, that's a very valid point. I mean, if you think about it, we almost have a similar problem with vehicles these days because like, you, you almost feel like – I mean – Yes, a vehicle can take on infantry fairly effectively, but um, I mean, having to sacrifice putting three people in that t in a tank in order to deal with infantry almost feels uh, akin to the same way in uh, infantry having to give up a large sacrifice in order to having to deal with the tanks. And I think that just doesn't lead to fun gameplay. Yeah, I mean, there's a very good point that you've got only 16 people, and now if you've taken away three, I mean, that's a, that's actually a pretty significant chunk just to, to pilot one vehicle. And at that point, 
it's difficult to say, okay, well, if we're taking that much of the team to do one vehicle, how good is that vehicle going to be as well, an asset? That's what I think. I mean, I think that a vehicle should be relatively proportionately powerful to how many people are in it. If there's three people in a tank, I'm more than happy with it be requiring three AV to take it out. But it, you know, the the problem is that we've had this argument in the past that vehicles should take multiple AV to take out, even though they can be operated by a single person, and that's the sort of disparity that that causes vehicle gameplay to be broken. Is that one player has to continue to equal one player? Well, I think a lot of that comes down to there's also a lack of options on how to manipulate vehicle movement as an AV player, as well as you know, kind of control the battlefield. I mean, I would actually really love if you could actually set better traps if you actually had to outsmart the vehicle. The vehicle had to outsmart you, and because because right now it's basically like, can I do enough damage to this thing before it runs away? Yeah, that, that's that's basically what vehicle vehicle AV balances are now. Is can I kill this thing before it gets around the corner? And that's it doesn't work because you can't either you're almost always going to kill it before it gets away or you're going to never kill it before it gets away. And so it, there's, there's no skill involved in how you're, you're actually piloting. I mean, there's some skill involved, but I mean, especially after 1.7, they stripped away a lot of the, 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 the technical aspect of, you know, cycling modules and whatnot. And, and now it's just like flip your hardener on and just go as soon as something hits you because you're going to get away. And, and that's, you know, that it, it's boring. There needs to be more dynamic on, on what AV and vehicle interaction is, and we just don't have the tools to do that. Yeah, the way I think about that is it's conflict resolution. There's very, I mean, you get the warp, the addition of war points for hurting vehicles was nice, but at the same time, I don't, I think a, a complete lack of conflict resolution in these engagements um, kind of leaves a bad taste for, um, you know, both uh, parties. Unsatisfying. You know, I don't see why the notion of you have to kill it is really so high because I always thought that if you can get a vehicle to go away sort of high to wrap up and stuff, that it would be better than just killing it. The problem is that vehicles can kill us. The other problem is they're usually back within 30 seconds or they cycle in another person to start taking in damage instead. We experienced this well, heavily when the AD, before the ADS. That started. second one is teamwork is OP deal with it. That's still true with uh, if you kill the tank because calling vehicles doesn't take long at all. But then well, it, costs, cares but about then it costs them money, whereas we nobody can lose cares about 5 yeah, to 200k. You, it, we can lose tons of AV suits, proto suits that are that are 200k a pop, trying to kill any. a single tank. I think a, a flaw that's come up a lot of times in AV versus um, uh, vehicle discussions is trying to balance on ISK. Um, I think um, a lot of times it, it's better to sit back and say, okay, if everyone has infinite ISK, both the infantry and the vehicles, what's the best type of gameplay in that situation? Well, that doesn't mean we need to completely forget about the ISK. No, no, of course. It has to be a component, but I think in terms of actually making the gameplay fun, you need to think about it because in terms the, of... Terms you can of, adjust uh, the ISK values later. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. And there's also a matter of, of satisfaction of actually killing the tank versus just driving it off. Like it's, it's totally true that it's a similar effect of killing a vehicle versus making it leave the areas that you know, you've made it disengage and it stopped doing what it was doing. But in terms of it just being fun... You right. know, seeing that seeing it pop is is very satisfying, and you you either you know, depending on what vehicle you're looking at, you either get that more often than you probably should, or never at all. You know, it, it's 
and unfortunately, again, it's a matter of, you know, you, you want to feel strong but not overpowered, and it's difficult to get that on both sides because there's a lot of factors involved, you know, that, that make it hard to balance that properly. Yeah, I mean, after it's I've more fun around, to hunt get, vehicles when they actually cost something. I guess I mean, like, seeing this how I see it as those vehicles are so terrible whenever I kill one, it's just like, I feel exactly the same as if I scare it away. See, he, on, on my perspective, when a vehicle user has killed me like five times, the, the, and then someone suggests that I shouldn't be trying to kill the vehicle, I should just want it to go away, um, I, I laugh. Because, no, I want to kill it. <laughs> it's been yeah, killing he, me. Then kill it. You also have, well, also have, yeah. also have the too, of of you know vehicle pilots often bail right as the the, the ship is ex- you know right as their tanks are exploding and that that's, kind of stuff that's one of um, my biggest peeves i um, want them to make and they get out with an agent animations in a explosion radius will solve that the enter exit animation probably something that's never going to occur maybe a enter exit timer of some sort but i just wonder if that would just be clunky and and unwieldy and not very fun well, I would, you know, I've got kind of a, like I said, I'm, I'm not a vehicle driver, you know, but prior to bandwidth, I actually used to enjoy, you know, the bandwidth implementation. I actually used to enjoy running AV a fair amount. Uh, I, I really can't nowadays because, you know, I primarily perform as a Logi and the minute that you try to switch over to AV, you're, you're kind of fucking yourself and your team at that point. Uh, it's a whole nother discussion, but even when I would run that, uh, even here recently, I, I don't really have that many problems actively killing enemy vehicles. Now that means I have to be pretty focused, and that's what that's what I'm prior, primarily focusing my gameplay in that match on is killing vehicles. But I, I think, I mean, just the vehicle versus infantry like play counterplay isn't actually all that bad right now. That's just like I said. That's my perspective. Like I, I, people are saying, the sky's falling and shit. But no, no, it's, it's not it's, that bad. It's pretty close, but I just the way it plays out, I don't think is, I don't think it's satis, it's satisfying for really people on either end of the equation right now. Yeah, that's that's what I agree with. Better. I think the game is probably massively more balanced in a lot of ways than it was, but there's also instances where that's made the gameplay a little less fun. Well, so yeah. then what you're advocating is an unbalancing of it. Uh, so which when way do you want to unbalance it? Yeah, so which way do you want to? Which I'm, way do you want to unbalance it? I'm not suggesting know? unbalancing it. I'm suggesting seeing if maybe there's ways we can tweak the gameplay so that it's still balanced but feels more satisfying. Is I think what we're all trying to talk about here. What are we unsatisfied? That's what I don't understand. Is what are we unsatisfied about? I feel I like- unsatisfied that my HAVs in my labs in total feel more like toys rather than before where there was a intricate little tool that I had and that there's really nothing for me to do. Like earlier, I was playing a match. I just drove around. I had nothing to shoot at or anything. It was so boring. Well, I mean, coming from I've been playing vehicles since... From, from an AV perspective, it feels like there's no satisfaction in hunting them down anymore because they just call them back instantly or just regenerate instantly and back in the fight. Yeah, I mean, and, and the rewards for s- switching yourself out of... Um, now, the war points re- rewards are nice, but, like, dedicating yourself to an AV role, it just doesn't feel 
as satisfying. I mean, back when quote unquote tanks were OP back in like chromosome and stuff. I mean, me and po uh, uh, me and uh, um, uh, we would some other guys. We would love you know, like hunting down a, a marauder was a fun activity because it felt like a fight. Like it was tooth and nail. You're going against the tank. Tank's going against you, and then you know somebody wins in the end. I don't know. It just felt that more. That was an OP. Whoever said that um, AGVs versus AV in chromosome was OP, they're an idiot. That's my opinion. They had 90 you know KDR. Wasn't yeah? Wasn't chromosome that point where we had the the wonderful joy of Manus Peaks ambush with vehicles and someone would call in a tank and that was the match. I hate that map for so many reasons, but I that still had PTSD from it. <laughs> See, I had fun with that map, but that's because I was sniping back then, and it, that that map was a sniper playground. So, see, the problem was not a single person would ever use AV on me, so I could just like kill everything no, I it saw. Was, no, it was... I seriously went through like a ten span, I... like ten match span, where there was I didn't nowhere... see a single AV. There was nowhere to use AV because it was useless. You shot a guy with a proto forge, and he'd regen the shields faster than he can shoot the second shot. And the thing you have to keep in mind as well is that um, AV has to rely on a lot of cover and stuff to work well, and Manus Peaks had, like, cred for cover. That is true. That map has zero cover anywhere. Something well, I mean, has it's been... better now, but that like with how small the old ambush was, there was, there was just nothing. And every single spot in the map was accessible to a tank. You know, it, something that's, I it know that I've heard... It still felt like a little sandbox to me, though. I know, I liked Old Manus Peak way better. But the old man I speak had a bunch of like cracks in the sand and shit like that. Not cracks, uh, valleys. You had to use that for cover, but I don't know, it never worked against AGVs. It was great for infantry, but yeah. Oh no, you are hiding from me. I would find your ass. And then you're gonna die. Kind of going back to what, what Jason and, and Zell were talking about in terms of, you know, balance versus fun. I mean, this is, I've been playing with, with vehicles, uh, mostly HEVs, but I've been playing with all vehicles um, since basically the very beginning of closed beta. And back in the day, uh, when you had a vehicle, you, like, a, let's, I'll use an HEV as an example, like a, an armor, like a Madruger. You had five low slots, and typically you'd put, like, uh, an armor wrapper in there, a plate, and then three hardeners. And those hardeners were of fairly short duration, and so what you were constantly doing is as you're driving around, you're watching your hardeners, and you're activating them one by one, and you're cycling them, and, and you have to kind of maintain those, those modules and keep an eye on them because you want to keep your hardeners going nearly constantly. You want to kind of minimize your downtime and make sure that, you know, you've got that up all the time. And so there was a lot of micromanaging, and it made vehicle fights feel very frantic, but it was also satisfying in terms of a tanker because you were sitting there doing like 12 things at once and it was a pain in the ass and it was hard but for me that's what made it fun so when they reduced the modules down to three slots your your madruger now is basically a hardener a plate and a repper well the plate and the repper work on their own now they're they're passive it's the only thing you're playing with is your your hardener so you're flipping that hardeners, thing on armor hardeners right now nah no, they're 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 shit. The, the Madruger is shit right now, but that's a whole different discussion. But my, my point is, is that as a vehicle pilot, the the skill involved in managing your vehicle and managing your mo your modules is gone. And for me, at least, that was a huge part of what made it fun. And you don't necessarily have to disrupt balance to make it more fun. You just have to expand out your options again. Now, You're I'm suggesting guessing... making more slots, but then nerfing everything equivalently. Effectively, yeah. So I mean, you, yeah. you would have you would have similar overall stats, but you would have 
more stuff you need to actually play around with. You know, your for example, your hardeners may be of a similar percentage reduction, but they're of a shorter duration, so you need to cycle them constantly and keep an eye on them. And it makes it more interesting and less just like, oh, I took damage, flip the hardener on, and let's go. Just haul ass well, out, which is basically what it is now. No, could you could you tech could you potentially have it to where you keep modules that are as is today that are much more like fire and forget? And then also add in another module line that's much more like, I need to manage this, I need to actually keep an eye on this, but I'm rewarded for that extra difficulty in, in, in basically upping the, the management needed to of your modules. Well, sure. I mean, even back in the day, we had armor hardeners or just armor shield hardeners, and then there's resistance, resistance plates. The, yeah, the resistance plates were passive. They were less effective, but they were always on, and your hardeners were active. They were more effective, and you had to manage them. And I, I think that's fine. You know, you, if you want to have an active and a passive version with a passive being weaker, cool. Because some fits, I mean, even in EVE, when you fit your ship, you've got passive fits where you aren't you know, dealing with, with active modules, it just, it just goes. And sometimes that works if that's what the situation requires. But I mean, just yeah. the fact that you've, you, there's no options in terms of fitting. You basically have like, you got like one fit for like a Madruger. You've got like maybe two fits for a Gunlaji. Uh LAVs, they're basically just buffer tank them because they don't do anything else besides just move. Um, and I, I honestly don't know a whole lot about your options. Their, their slot layout's actually not, not bad. That's that's more reasonable. They've got six six slots, and I think the assaults have got four. I think total. Um, that that's a little more open, but yeah, like the the HAV and the LAV, they just you can't do anything with them. They're they're boring. They don't require any maintenance, and it, it really removed that pilot skill out of it. You know, because I, I back in the day, I felt like yeah, I'm really good at, at managing my my modules. I'm rewarded for that. Now it's just like oh, I've got one module I have to worry about, and you know, anyone can do that. That doesn't require any any skill or any experience to, to pull that off. And, you know, I, I think that's a lot of the frustration in terms of AV is that pretty much anyone can hop into a, a pre-fit tank. It doesn't require much thought to actually make it work properly and they can go around stomping where the AV guy's got, like you said, use a lot of cover. He's got to get, you know, up in a good position, all this other stuff. I think that the amount of skill required to run AV is disproportional to the amount of skill to run a lot of the vehicles like the HAVs. And I, I would like to actually put some more of that, that you know, user ability back into the vehicles because right now it isn't there. And it, it's not satisfying for people who are long-term veterans. And it's certainly not satisfying for the AV guys who have to fight against somebody who's got a, a tank they don't have to worry about. It's pretty much all passive. They can just stomp around the whole time. So I think that that's going to go a long way. And, and like, like you said, Zell, it's a matter of, you know, I think there is some balancing issues uh, in terms of AV um, and vehicle in terms of just raw damage. I think between certain vehicles, there's a big difference in strength. Like I think the, the anyone who's run a Madruger can tell you that the fitting on a Madruger is horseshit compared to a Gunlaji. It's it's terrible. So I mean, you need to fix that balance within the vehicles themselves. But take those stats and just expand out the modules and how they work. Put the skill back into the vehicles and actually put some more user ability back into piloting them rather than just kind of like you said, fire and forget. I I agree with Pokey because I can remember times where I actually felt my heart raise when I was in a fight. It was so frantic and you were trying to think clearly and efficiently of how you manage your modules. I can remember times where I had the best of times ever because of that. Now, I, I haven't felt that same feeling since 1.7, which is kind of sad. And it makes me even sadder just thinking about it. Yes. Well, that feeling as an infantry, I used to have that 
back in chromosome, but it disappeared for some reason while uprising went out. It's all well, uprising's fault. Blame it. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, go ahead, Pokey. Sorry. Uh, just, just one quick thing. I, I think that uh, the reason they reduced the slots in the first place was that they were probably intending to add advanced and prototype tanks or something. I don't know. They did this weird sort of tier aside thing with vehicles that didn't work so well. Well, um, the, the goal, remember, was um, you know, as you're you're, you're mentioning how you were playing the, you were st st using your modules, you know, stretching them out so that they would last over a period of time, using one and then the other and then the other, and the whole the the big point that they were selling at that point was the whole waves of opportunity thing, where you could go in, have a lot of power, and then have to back out and wait for your your cooldowns. Yeah, but, but that's not that fun. was a thing. <laughs> no, and it's I think it, it did not work out well. I don't think so. You could uh, use multiple hardeners at the same time, no? Yeah, good. So yeah, that's a wave of opportunity. If you need that power right now, you have it. Yeah, or or and you can stretch it out. Yeah, no, I, I would I would pop all three at once, and I'd go into God mode and haul my ass out of there if I had six guys shooting at me. But then I'd be, you know, out of a fight for you know a minute and a half, two minutes. Yeah, it was a minute. 35 seconds, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was, and that's fine. I think that if, if you need to, it, you should have the option to go, oh shit, I need to pop, you know, all my hardeners and my damage control right now and get out of here. That's, or, or I can spread it out, you know, then you've got options, but with the way it is now, eh, but, you know. You pop yeah. one and then you drive. That's lame. Uh, yeah, I remember seeing sometimes just vehicles so. Like when somebody activated all three hardeners, I just get the fuck out of there. Yeah, no. chromosome. But, but you also knew that they were going to be gone for a while, which was also important. Yeah, I just uh, bid my time and waited. Mm -hmm. And that, that's also another issue that just I'll touch on real quick before we move on here. But another issue is that because vehicles kind of went underwent this weird sort of tier aside, AV, however, did not. And so now you've got a situation where vehicles are trying to be a single tier, but AV is trying to be three tiers. Okay, so what do you balance against? Do you balance AV against, you know, proto... Sorry, do you balance vehicles against proto-AV, making standard and advanced useless, or do you balance them against standard, making advanced and prototype AV overpowered? And I think we need to kind of move back away from this flatlined you know, vehicle tier because you, you really can't properly balance it against a non-tier system versus a tier system and actually have it balance outright. Because one way or another, something's going to be overpowered or underpowered. There's I no prefer way around that AV was tier side, but whatever. Yeah. I agree with the kitty right now. All right. Now that we've achieved <laughs> some level of uh, common understanding uh, between the two competing overlords of the, uh, of the podcast channel, uh, I would like to take this as an opportunity to kind of segue over into one of our other primary topics for the night, if that's okay. Uh, and actually, we can kind of drive this a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, the skill the skill tree. And I, one of the things you guys didn't talk about a whole lot was the the actual vehicle skills and how useful or well put together they are. Uh, post <laughs> They're terrible. So what I'd like to do is kind of throw this onto the table for a little bit of discussion is uh, the current state of the skill tree itself. Uh, and you guys want to use like some of the vehicle examples, feel free. But basically, if you go through the skill tree in Dust, uh, there are a lot of different locations where you can find, um, you know, something that uh, one of our one of our fans, a guy by the name of Hynox, he's an absolutely, he's a huge Sryzel fan. In fact, he's asked me to uh, try to somehow secure a poster for him. 
uh, with a large picture of Sarizel on it. I don't know what he wants to do to that poster, but he's asked for it. Anyway, uh, one of the things Hynox refers to is uh, is bear traps or uh, sort of these things that you think you might be getting at an advantage or that you might be gaining something for an investment in SP, but ultimately you really don't. And, and his, uh, I think the one he tends to use is Dropsuit Command 5, which effectively means you've just put a lot of SP into something to say that you put SP into it. And it does really nothing for you. Uh, there are a lot of skills where levels two and four do absolutely nothing for you other than allow you to spend more SP on levels three and five to get something. Uh, there's also you know, some of the vehicle components where literally you're spending SP to do like fuck all that I know. Uh, I just know that the vehicle SP tree makes no sense to me. Yeah, I remember. Vehicle command. It has never done anything. Ever. Yeah. Why I mean, is it there? I mean, you get into things it's, like frame drop suits. I mean, that's that's like saying you should have like the. I mean, that's part of the discussion is having the frame suits mean something. But I unfortunately dropped SP into level four because I, you know, when I came over from Eve, I thought that that SP would matter in the advanced drop suits. You made well. a grave mistake. I did. And, <laughs> yeah. Know, and I've I freely admit it's that. a. Tr- it's a trap. It's a trap. Yeah, it's exactly. Trap. I think that's like a univi- like a universal theme of a lot of the skill tree in, in Dust is it's a trap because a lot of it is. I mean, you've got things where you only need to skill like an LAV up to one. Uh, you've got uh, uh, things where like um, uh, in the vehicle tree you were mentioning, mentioning as the clock goes in my background, uh, you know, the drops, uh, the CRU modules, uh, the skill for that, you only need to skill up to one because there are no advanced or proto CRU modules. It's all over the place, and it feels like a lot of skills are there just to be an SP sync and not actually have any purpose. And anything that's just an SP sync is not a fun skill to actually go through. It feels like a grind. It feels like, okay, I'm going to have to do all, you know, I'm going to have to eat my broccoli before I can have some dessert. Well, I think, you know, a uh, buddy of mine actually made the observation, which I think is pretty accurate. He said, if you look at all of the balancing and all of the um, all of the different tweaks to the game of Dust over the last two years, they've never tweaked the skill tree. Um, and so you have all these changes like going skill on. Tree. You well, no, the thing like you have all these changes in game going on, but no, but there is a clear linkage to where players spend probably the most valuable in-game asset, which is their their SP. That has not been, you know, given a commensurate update, uh, and I don't mean like you know when they it, they they did refund some SP during the vehicle tier side, and you know when they added, uh, you know the racial racial drop suits, but they fundamentally didn't change anything or they didn't update anything in the in the skill tree, uh, and and I thought that was a very valid point that they haven't actually gone back in there and looked at what some of that stuff does or doesn't do. All right, uh, about the vehicle tree. I remember about two months ago, I had 5 million SP just lying around. Or was it two four million? Never mind. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to get an AGV. Why not? Oh, dear. And I'm looking at it from someone who has never really skilled into vehicles. I always militia vehicles, shit like that. So I was just, I was like a blueberry. I had no idea what I'm doing. 
So I go into the skill tree and I just look at it and think, so I need this skill, but make sure to not get it past level one. I need that skill, make sure to not get it past level three. And why the fuck do I need this skill when it doesn't give me anything? But you're just, required to have it to get something else you want. Yes, and I'm just <laughs> sitting there and I'm looking, I'm trying to find all the landmines to make sure I don't stay, sleep up. And even then, once I did skill into the skill tree with all my 4 million or was it 5 million SP, and I felt no, no difference. It I just doesn't really no go anywhere, does it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, with I mean, infantry, I just skill into armor, skill into shields, and I feel the difference. It makes a lot of difference. Uh, skill into CPU, skill into PG. There's a difference. At, with at, uh, nothing. Speaking of PG, do you remember when they castrated vehicle engineering? <laughs> oh, that I pissed remember. me off to no end. I wanted to kill people for that. I mean, you are well, as an overlord, you're allowed to do so. Yes, I am. I mean, this comes down to Here we have a, a subject player. called Soraya Zell. Go ahead. Yes, let's go. <laughs> um, I, I think it also comes a lot down to, to player perception and whatnot. Because, I mean, I've I've worked with a lot of new players, and, and they've asked me, I said, well, train this skill. I'm like, well, what does that do? I'm like, well, it, it unlocks an, another skill. So it doesn't do anything? I'm like, well, yeah. I, I mean, in terms of, like, my whole point is that you know every level of every skill should offer an advantage no matter how small it is no matter how inconsequential it might seem every sp you spend needs to actually feel like you're getting something out of it and currently like half the tree doesn't do that like jay said you know levels two and four almost never do anything um for vehicles levels two through five almost never do anything i mean even drops to command or your frame suits there, there's no reason to train a lot of these skills all the way up to five and in many cases training levels two and four don't do anything at all so as a new player i'm grinding up i want to get stronger i've got all this sp i'm spending on it and i'm getting basically nothing out of it other than the right to train more skills which probably won't do anything for me anyways so i think that everything needs to offer some sort of advantage even if it's like a you know Drops to command is like plus two percent to you know armor and shield level or something like that. Something small, whatever. As a new player, uh, when I spend SP, I should get something out of it. Even as a, as a veteran, I want to get something out of every level I train. Yeah, true. At um, the same time, observation. Phrase. Go ahead. No, so at the same time, though, you want to also keep an eye to make sure that um, it's not it, you don't end up with a situation where. If I have low SP and this person has high SP, they're going to win every time because of all these accumulative bonuses that have been baked into the skills. Dude, you, so that, that boat's already left. <laughs> true. Yeah, but at the same time, there's no you don't want to make it worse than it is. You know. Well, no, no, that that's true. But here's the thing: you, well, you like, uh, if you if, go ahead, I'm get surrounded by putting the whatever gives you a lot of an, a big advantage is usually a very low SP skill. You can just train it in a day or two. That's so, true. And yeah. unlike dust where say electronics and engineering is a five X skill. And even veterans, a lot of them don't even bring it to level five. They just keep it at level four. Why? Because it takes too much SP for too little gain. I personally have it to level five. That's uh, those two are the, First skills I brought to level five, but still. Good point. I mean, that's also a good point because I mean, Eve, uh, when you train like a turret, typically the the bonus you get for training that turret is uh, usually like a plus five percent to damage for that turret. 
But for Dust, you training your, your Assault Rifle operation, well, you don't get any additional damage. you got to max that thing out, and then you get the proficiency skill, which adds more damage. So in that regard... Like and you even said, then it was castrated. Right, yeah. but I'm saying that, that as, as a veteran, I'm going to get damage, you know, I'm, I'm going to have a lot of damage on my gun, and you're not going to even get to, you know, possibly train to that for a very long time. So yeah, I think you kind of want to have the weight in the, the beginning skill, of the skill tree. If the skill took a low amount of SP, a new player could, even with the starting amount of SP, if he spent it right, he could very well uh, max out the assault well, let me Let me throw this out on the same level. So I will... I will, I will. One of the things that Eve does get right is is probably how they have set their skill skill progression up. I mean, they they do it, and, and it's and, and obviously some of that was model you know modeled over into what we do in Dust. So one of the things that have has always annoyed me, like when I go into light weapons, you know, why am I training um, like ammo capacity up for every single weapon that I want? Or reload speed, or whatever. In yeah, Eve, that what, wasn't in, used in to be Eve, the case. What you a have, while ago, chromosome, yeah. if I remember correctly. Right. In Eve, what you have are so a series better. of uh, basically support skills, gunnery support skills, or missile support skills, or whatever. So you've got your baseline skill, and we'll just use turrets because it, it easily translates over to rifles or whatever. Uh, so you train gunnery, which is a very it's like a one x skill. It trains very fast. You train that up to five. Uh, very quickly, and that's usually where you get a damage bonus. So everybody, and it's kind of what Cat was saying, is like things that give you the bigger bonuses, you make them easier to get to. Yeah, we and used then, to have that with weaponry. It used to give us a uh, damage, but it was a yeah. very low SP skill. Everyone had it. Right, and, and that's okay. And it, then from there, you should have a series of different support skills. Like sharpshooter is a, is a good one. That should apply. Like if I train sharpshooter to five, that should apply to every light weapon that I pick up. And here's the thing: if some people will say, "Well, yeah, but some weapons it doesn't apply." Okay, then it, that doesn't apply. Or some weapons, hey, that only has a very small effect based on the style of weapon. Okay, it has a very small effect. And then some weapons, it's really really critical. But and then you get the maximum um, the max, maximum usage of that SP. But me, shoot, me training sharpshooter up should apply to any of those type of weapons. So, and that's what I never could understand about why Dust did that. It's it, it seemed like, like in some they ways could they could even just split it up to a light, heavy, and sidearm if they really wanted to have multiple skills. But sure, I mean, I it think seems like that... something that would be CCP logic, in my opinion. Well, look, it, it seems I think some of the issues though have to do with actually how the skills and. Uh, and how their effects actually apply to the game itself. Like some of the base way that these skills actually plug in to different things. Yeah, I was about to mention that uh, in EVE, you could have a skill like it itself doesn't do anything, but say a ship, it has a thing that says for every level of that skill, you gain this and that bonus. And there could be multiple ships using the same skill and they will all get their own bonus. Yeah, the effect check is on the uh, is on the item itself um, in Eve, and rather than the than the skill specifically. I think like that's... say training up, I don't know, logistics cruisers, you would get a bonus for on the ship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. Yeah, I Once, mean, that's one skill could do many different things. It, it is is the is the thing that happens in Eve and and in Dust a skill does a very specific thing and nothing more, 
And I think that's definitely a problem. And I don't know if that has to do with how things were specifically implemented or, or you know, maybe that is, in fact, the reason behind it. But um, it's something that's plagued Duck for a really long time. You can't just have, like, uh, X skill, but, okay, it's going to give you... Um, okay, let's say you did an ammo bonus skill. So if it in some weapons, a percentage bonus is kind of useless because, like, let's say a low ammo count weapon like a flaylock. So if you have a percent bonus, that, that skill is kind of crummy. But if the skill were to say, okay, if you have the ammo bonus, it gives you plus one missile for every level to the flaylock, but it gives you plus 10% to the assault rifle, you know, that kind of thing. But I don't see, know if they can even code in that kind of variation for just one skill. If they were able to do that, that would be completely awesome, in my opinion. I'll be fully on board with something like that. Well, then it works in EVE to great effect. I mean, I often I've run into the, the wall of, you know, okay, let's think of an idea for, you know, the assault suit. Well, you can think of bonuses with the assault suit, but typically the, the bonus that that skill is going to offer isn't going to affect all of the, the racial weapons within that suit. Opposed to, like, in EVE, where you would have, like, okay, I'm training my Kaldari battleship. And the Raven goes, okay, well, for every level of Kaldari Battleship, you get a bonus to your missiles. If I'm, you know, flying a rock, it goes, okay, well, for every, you know, level of Kaldari, Kaldari Battleship, you get bonuses to your railguns. And so then you can actually have variants of the same suit to make sure that, okay, well, if I'm, you know, if I like to run uh, a sniper rifle on my assault suit, for example, I can use this kind of Caldari assault to get a bonus to the sniper rifle, or if I want to run a, a real rifle, I can use a different kind of assault to get a different bonus, but it's still all tied to that singular bonus. Well, and it's yeah. much more flexible. The, the other thing I would help with that. It, it would, yeah. but the other thing I would kind of point out, and Pokey's kind of getting on something that I've, I've, I've been a big proponent of for a long time. If you look at how the bonuses are structured in EVE, uh, and Kane, this kind of goes to Kane's point, a bonus particularly on the ships, not so much on the modules or the skill. Those are pretty much like the dust ones. But in but in the ships in EVE, or and you can translate that to either the vehicles or the dropships in dust, you can get a lot of very interesting get, gameplay. So we in, in EVE, a hybrid weapon is either a blaster or a railgun, okay? In dust, it doesn't work that way. It's either a rail, it's either a rail rifle, some kind of rail tech weapon, or it's a plasma weapon. S same theory, but the difference is in Eve bonuses that the gunnery or the turret skill bonuses uh, that you get out of ships of the Galente and the Caldari line say the word hybrid. So what tends to happen is Caldari ships get uh, things like range bonuses, you know, or you know that kind of stuff to hybrid weapons. Now that means that that bonus can also apply to a glint, you know, like a blaster as well. So you can get a some longer range out of your blaster, but it works better if you optimize it kind of along racial lines. You you take the railgun, which is long, a you know a long range weapon, and you give it an additional bonus to um, you know to range that kind of thing. So there's a lot of things that I actually think that they really could look at how Eve has structured their bonuses and look perhaps at our skill tree. I think job, this is just me here, but job number one, go through the entire skill tree and everything should give you something. I don't care if it's 1% or if it's one thingy or whatever, but every investment of SP in every level of every skill needs to provide some tangible benefit to the player. That would be job one. Uh, job two would be how do you optimize the skill tree or harmonize the skill tree with 
what are we actually doing in the game and then how, how to make it more perhaps accessible uh, to newer players. And I think you can use some of the existing mechanics of, I, like, again, I'm a big fan if there's a way to do it. How about support skills by weapon class? Or uh, there's there's a variety of different options there. But I think that those are the basic things that need to occur in the skill tree. Does that sound about right, guys? Yeah. Oh, it, that just reminded me. Where's my um, Gal Faction Rails? Been waiting on those for never. a long time. They, they've they've been gone for a long time. Gonna, but they I remember will forever remain CQC, and you will never get out of it. Oh, I want my Gal Faction Rails though. That would be really nice. Uh, tagging on what Jason said, I think every time when you actually level up a skill, you should get a pop up of what exactly you just unlocked in terms of both bonus and items and or. The other thing no. is, CCP doesn't necessarily need to be afraid of... I don't think the C CCP necessarily needs to be afraid of having a skill that only goes to level 3. I mean, I don't know if that would break the game or something, or if it'd be better just to, to have things go to level 5, but if a skill only needs, like, one level, or two levels, or three levels, just have it be one or two or three levels. But everything you know, will be hard to get used up to. to level five. Um, that'll be well, hard to get used to, but we could probably get over it. Now, I mean, if I remember correctly, a lot of tech two modules actually unlock at level four, yeah, not level correct. five. That is correct. Need. That's absolutely correct. I, I mean, and and that's so level five just gives you another level of the bonus that it gives. It doesn't give you any modules. Um. Yeah. Or or you need yeah. a level five to unlock yeah, well, some other advanced skill tree. Yes. Mode. Yeah. That. Yeah. The, the way bonuses are applied in EVE right now, not only, not only does it create problems like the, the, the traps, but also it locks in the design for um, what you do. Because think about how much, argue, uh, you know, how much, you know, gnashing of teeth has been done over what bonus a particular skill applies. So rather than like, you know, our scouts for a long time was like considered just a terrible, you know, only getting the bonus to... Um, um, stamina and stuff just seemed like a terrible thing. So it just seems like if, like you were saying, it would be so much better if we had side grades to suits and it, the bonus was on the suit itself. That way, and only that, it gives CCP a lot more freedom to develop new suits. So you just have the Amar skill for a of the Amar skill for light suits. Okay, this light the Amar skill for light suits. It does something different. You know, for you know a let's say it's an assassin suit or something like that, or you know you have. Um, uh, something that's a recon suit, you know, it, it just seems the way it's designed right now just puts CCP in a box, and it makes we, it harder for them. Actually, to do with the Amar scout, as one of them, over the problem was actually finding a role that wasn't already occupied. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you're you're right, Cat, but I, I would say that I think Kane's Kane's point is valid in that if I like, you could have it's almost like the Type One, Type Two suits. You know what I mean? Like you can have like Amar scout suits or Amar advanced light frame. And it, you could have a scout, a this or a that. It gives you more options in how you put the suits together. Like fixing suits is actually, in my opinion, one of the easiest things that they can work on. That That's like, it needs to be done in certain cases, but you can all, like that's one of the easiest things that they can do is, uh, but the underlying piece of how, like how all the skills work, I think are, is it's probably a much bigger project in terms of effort. We used to yeah, sort of um, add sort of the variation between the um within like the same frame because remember when we had the point zero and then the point one suits? Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, it's kind of like that's type one, oh, type right. two. Yeah, yeah. Those actually, I I, miss I thought those. that they would actually bring those back once they got the racial parity and everything, so we could have like a one type of suit for a certain type of situation and another. But I guess that never materialized or anything. Actually, you know, I, I tell you what, Kane, you I think you've hit on. I'm sitting here thinking through this, and like if you took like a cal assault and you you have one that is you know beefed up for you could take the exact same frame you know the exact same model or whatever you know maybe change a couple of the colors on it but one is set up to optimize usage of the rail rifle and then one might be set up to optimize usage of oh i don't know a swarm launcher like that would be an incredibly easy thing to do if you set the base skill tree up the way that you're you're describing it just I think you're right. That actually gives CCP a ton more options in introducing con- like side grade content, you know, or different things, uh, you know, that uh, would allow for emergent gameplay. Going back for a moment uh, to the skill thing, I looked up some ships to try and find a good example. Here we have Tech Two covered up ships. Here That's we have the Helios. Of. The Helios it can gets bonuses for hacking, gets bonuses for decrypting, shit like that. And there we have the Nemesis, which is a stealth bomber. It's a completely different role, but they both uh, work off the same skill. Yep, that's, yep. A, that's a perfect example of it. The thing is, okay. not, ha- not having that flexibility is, is gimping CCP's ability to, to, to create variation, and I think in some cases to even balance things. Okay, well, let me, let me sure. kind of throw the, uh, the line in the water then for Iron Wolf and Zell. Like, is this something that, you, that uh, has been addressed or discussed? Uh, with CCP at all? NDA. Uh, this is you, actually something. God. No, this is actually something that requires lots of logic and reasoning and really good sense making for us to to bring up to our tatty because it is a lot of work. So to actually get something like this going would actually require um, a very strong case because the amount of work involved to expand and it rearrange everything and make things more proper. Um, must have at least very positive benefits in the end when when we do decide to go after it. And it's not that CCP Vartati is not against the idea, it's just that he's reluctant to um, possibly doing the wrong thing again. Because um, he's he has observed um, things that have gone wrong before he got there, and he doesn't want to be trying to play, um, uh, uh, play a broken record, so to say. Pokey, it's time to make a mega thread. I'll get on it right away. That is correct. The, the thing, the thing is about these skills and stuff, and these issues. Uh, I mean, it's not even. It's goes back to even before, uh, you know, before CPM one, even before CPM zero, back into the closed beta. Uh, these kind of issues were uh, were raised and just never addressed, really. Um, and I think the sunk cost issue, like something that it scares CCP a lot of times. They they're scared of how much effort and work it goes in because you're really getting into the meat and bones of dust and how things actually work um and i think in a lot of ways i think uh for any eve players out there (laughs) well look i think for a lot of uh, i think a lot of eve players out there it's analogous to how for the longest time ccp would absolutely never ever want to touch uh a pos code like ever or you know or corporals you know those types of things no, they yeah. are, they're actually I remember <laughs> they tried to modify something and it completely wrecked everything. I think uh, it was something with the collision code and it caused a tight yeah, yeah, yeah. light that, speed. That, yeah. Oh, <laughs> like dear, ships that are sounds pretty fun. Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. 
And you and the Titan pilot that got stuck in this would uh, never get out of warp ever. <laughs> well, that's awesome. <laughs> Is someone shooting? Mm, not yet. Oh, okay, I, I thought I heard shooting. No, no, we're good. The uh... pew pew. <laughs> okay, so I, there it is. I think we, I think we do. Uh, I generally agree that the skill tree is one of those things that um, probably could be fixed. Uh, but it, it's one of those uh, I, and I, I just want to make sure I understand Iron Wolf. Like, is that the community's responsibility to bring that up to CCP to fix, or is that not like something that they should be like, yeah, we we kind of need to fix it because it's like our game and shit. I, I was confused I mean, the way you said that. That's all. CSP does have a desire to do it, but there are only so few people working on Dust 514 right now, and it's a matter of priority of what we need to get done. And I agree. What are you that talking skill- about? Legion is dead. You have all the developers in the world. So basically, if we could somehow get more devs on the team, they could do mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. awesome stuff. By what? Yeah. Give more. You want more? Give more. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's Ratati has like this gigantic list of all the things that are really, really need to be fixed. But it's a matter of figuring out which ones to tackle at which points, and and with the resources they have for any given point. And the list keeps growing exponentially every time he visits forums. Oh, really? <laughs> Well, I think at the very least we can get the get bonuses in for every level of every skill. That's that's not a big code undertaking. That's just a matter of coming up with the bonuses and plugging. Yeah, I mean that I think is probably pretty pretty approachable. It's Um, a good first step, I think. Okay, well, I think I think we've we've kind of killed that one. Um, I'd like to move on, kind of the last topic, and we can just touch on this briefly. But curious, what your guys' thoughts on the Trello community feedback board? How do you think it's working? And, and more to the point, I guess, as, as I asked the CPM guys, because um, you can see who is on there. Like I've seen uh, Ratati, Rouge, and some other people actually with a little green dot by their name that says that in theory that they actually have the page up and they, they are looking or recently have looked at it. So um, what, what are the impressions of the community board? Is that is Ratati getting what he, or do we think he's getting what he wanted out of it? Is it useful, not useful? What do you guys think? I'm, I don't like it. I don't know why. It seems like a good idea. I just don't like it. I have the same feeling, and I think I know why. I think. The thing is that this is a one-way thing. We have no feedback. We just at least have the devs comment, or at least have the... Didn't Rotati say that he wants to show his own uh, Yeah, thing? That's, that's what he said. Um, like, I guess that's why. I want to say about almost two months ago. Um, maybe it was a month and a half. I don't know. He, he was he was talking about um, uh, cleaning up his own board so he could open that up to people, and then people could see, you know, people would see progress in that they would see something that you know maybe they had brought up or they saw someone else bring up that had made it to his personal board. Um, I I know he was the biggest thing is um, he's working on cleaning it up so it was presentable because he leaves a lot of non politically correct notes in there. Um, that may or may not address specific players, like, you know... Nope, that um, needs to stay in. All of it needs to stay in. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he was working on that. Um, I don't know, um, how, you know how much time he, he has been able to put to that and or how much has to be done and anything. I, I did poke him about it this week. Um, 
Uh, we mentioned it. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's supposed to be a feedback loop on that. Well, I thought yeah, it because said that if it's one way, it just I mean, doesn't work. I mean, well, every now and then you see Rotati himself posting um, Trello cards and attaching somebody's name to one now, of those yeah, Trello cards. He, he hasn't actually made comments on any of them, I and mean, that was kind of what it was in, intended to do. I no, thought what, he what he's been doing is yeah. go ahead, Kat. He, what happened there was that people were doing it wrong. So he uh, cleaned out the Trello board and explained exactly what you have to do. He made the cards and added the people who had the original idea. Yeah, it was it was administrative work. It, like it, my understanding uh, is that we were okay. supposed to put the ideas up. Uh, we don't comment on each other's, but you can vote on them, which I found to be an interesting mechanic. Um, and then the then CCP would comment on the yes. community recommendations. Yeah, yeah, it's like not you're not supposed to comment on them on the Trello cards at all. Right. So if anyone who uses Trello has comments on the card, you're a bad person. You need to edit your description and put that's where you actually put your like stuff. I think. Um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah but people I think, just I think, keep commenting. Well, no, I, th I actually there's not a whole lot of that. I mean, there people have no. generally been pretty good about that. And one but, of the things I think that's been really successful at limiting some of that kind of uh, messed ups with the Trello board is people giving a forum link to a Trello card. That works very well. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I guess, I guess I will fall in with Kat on this is that I, I, I think the original idea was that it was that there was going to be some feedback mechanism. Um, it, and that, that is definitely missing at this point. I think, I think I figured out why I don't like it. Yeah. Um, Pokey has that, um, vehicle thing that he made for, um, Google docs. And I put a metric shit ton of comments on the side of it, right? Like, I was just commenting as I go what he said. Uh, for the way that Ritsadi explained it, where you're not supposed to really comment on the idea, I guess that's why I don't really like it, even putting up my own ideas. I guess what they were going for is the Trello is a means to organize ideas in a very clean fashion, and then they link back to the forums which are used to actually comment on the ideas. Unfortunately, yeah, people this, don't actually link back, so you don't get that option. Which is why I have and, a problem with it. And a lot, I mean, I think, uh, I think the Trello board is definitely useful, um, and I think you definitely we're missing that that next step of having CCP connect to it. But at the same time, I think just a a couple little you know usage things like if I don't know, people just don't know better in a lot of cases. I think is what it comes down to. Um, I mean, and also you have some weirdness where people will go through and uh, and use different, like they will edit some edit somebody else's I controller am card. I am as well. <laughs> Sorry about the clock, guy. Uh, that scared me. Yeah, no problem. I I think where Kane was going with that is there there's just some education that needed to go on with uh, like physically using the Trello board, which I would tend to agree with. Um, now, one thing I would offer is that what I found pretty interesting is. Um, you look at how different ideas have been voted on, and I, I thought that was a good idea by sort of racking and stacking them by like some sort of that tacit sort of, yes, I think this is a good idea vote that you can put on something. And it's really interesting when you look at the, the topics that clearly lead the board. It, I think it's actually not a bad picture of like areas that the community would actually really like to see addressed very directly. Um, so I, I, for what it's worth, I actually thought as a, 
you know, something a little bit better than anecdotal, but less formal than a, than a broad-based, you know, data pull from the community. It was a good sensing round of where the community was at in terms of what they would like to see fixed or certain things that they all agree or a large chunk of people agree on needs to be addressed. I was just thinking about this. Um, what I was thinking about is like, I wish that there was some place where you could just like type out your ideas, right? And then people can comment on them on the side and then like every week or a month or so, there would be like, you can post your idea onto like a panel. They would review it and the best ideas would get moved to um, Retidy, something on the lines of that. That I needs mean, to be a better idea in my head. At the, than that. the same thing the same thing going through a real strict voting system and saying like oh this is popular let's go push this through i i don't know like i think the the soft vote that's on the trello board right now like you know some things can have a vote but it doesn't really do anything for it um i don't know i think if you have this voting system you end up there could be really terrible ideas that are you know get voted on a lot or there could be ideas that have absolutely no technical feasibility so i i don't know like I'm very wary of like, you know, popularity contests for necessarily for ideas specifically. I mean, to an effect, to a to a point, it's good because you need feedback and you well, need right. like it has some value. It's it's not meant to be the end all, and there's a lot of feedback channels, obviously, through the forums, the Trello, the CPM, um, et cetera, Skype, yeah. all sorts of things. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'm just weird about it. I guess that's all it is. You're you're what about it? I guess I'm just weird about it. I don't know. It, it's I know it's good. I just really don't like it. You uh, yeah, well. that's my general feeling too. So you're sounding like you want you just want more de- a more definitive like this happens and then then this will be this result from doing from engaging the feedback in a certain way is kind of what I'm getting. Kind of possibly. It's it's odd. I can't explain it. I'm terrible at explaining okay. things. Yeah, just well, leave it at that. Uh, it's- yeah. Okay. Right, well, I'll buy that. I think the bit. That's the big because you're that, a fish. Uh, I think the thing that would actually well, be useful is if there was some indication of feedback, which is I think what what, what drew most of us to the Trello board. That was supposed to be a, a a location where there would be some level of feedback coming back from CCP based on uh, sort of the community ideas. So just turn it out there. I mean, and, and I'm only responding to it primarily because you know, it came from rat, you know, he's, he's the one that put it out there and said, let's all you guys go to this. Let's try it out and see how it works. This is what I want to do with it. So I think a lot and of people, the rat have, said. yeah, it was like, well, we've all, I think we've done what he wanted for the most part. Uh, I'm just like, so w- what is, what now is kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, it's, it's useful, I think, but like I said, it's, Without understanding what he does with it or how he looks at looks at it or views it, it's really hard to judge its worth. Um, okay, well, guys, I think we've been on the air for quite a while. So, um, barring any last minute, uh, you know, topics here, uh, I'd like to go ahead and move into shout off shout outs if that's okay. Oh, I thought we was going to talk about PS2. Oh, yep, you're right. We can do that very briefly. Um, so, Planet Sucks is coming out on the um, on the PlayStation Four here pretty quickly. Um, I, it was, I caught an article by, uh, Draxus, uh, on his website reference, which corpse in dust were likely to have a significant presence, perhaps not move like 
in mass over, but uh, have a significant presence in PlanetSide 2 because to, I think, and I think the, the really the only parallel, the biggest parallel is that there's no other venue for like large scale tactical gameplay, at least that I'm tracking, uh, where you can put more than like a squad of people from your clan or your group. Or your yeah, I believe on. it will scratch an itch that I've been, I had the problem with us that you have a giant corp of like 200 people, maybe, maybe even more, but you can only play with like six at a time or in, if you're NPC, then uh, f uh, 16 at a time. It just, it doesn't feel like you're in a large group of people. I would agree with that. And that's probably, um, that's probably the biggest draw to, to planet side, at least from my perspective. Um, since I've played it, I can say for a fact that it's a terrible game, and if anyone thinks that it is good, I want you to do this. When did get you play you, it? No, what? No, I want you to do this. Buy a PC, play it for I fifteen minutes, and see what's going to happen. You'll be I like, "Why it. am I playing this? Why?" It was it, fairly decent. No, the game's terrible. It's game's terrible. terrible. When did you it's play it? Bad. Look, I, I played it since release, and I wait, stopped wait. about. Like I a think year and a half ago, because it was just all right. So, all right, everybody, stop. I'm gonna. I'll tell you guys just like I told you in the pre-show. If you haven't played a game in like more than I don't know, like a fucking year, it's really hard to say the game sucks. Because I would point to you. Okay, so about after, this game after called the Plus show, after the show, I'm gonna re-download Planet Side Two. I still have and it I updated. And I will report on next week how awful. I think it is. You're right, a CCPPR. Yeah, you have yeah, no words so, like, I was like, told that's, that's still bad by several people, so I'm just going to go up off of it by that. Would, it's anybody, bad. would anybody I, agree agree that there's I, a lot of people that have a, pretty much the same opinion about Dust514? Look, I yes. will have to say... I mean, sure, but at the, at the same time, that's something about Planet Side 2, though, that, that is the gunplay is definitely uh, is good, and I wouldn't say... I, I don't know if it's better than Dust, or I don't... Uh, some of that can be I would kind say of, yes. I mean, and not only that, movement is definitely better in Planet Side 2. I think some of the core gameplay aspects, core components of like moving around and shooting another person is definitely a smoother experience in Planet Side 2. But then it's like what happens beyond that in terms of like the free to play mechanics, and in terms of um, what you know, what you do in the game has does it have any kind of lasting impact and that sort of thing, and social aspects of the game. That and the fact that the vehicles are just bad. Hey, didn't we have like a whole that... segment about how people are bitching left and right about vehicles and dust? Yeah. <laughs> no, they're worse. About... They're worse to worse than Planet Side They don't balance against load numbers either, which is what my server's still going through. That's the problem. They are worse. They okay. They are worse than what vehicles are now. And hey, when you expect like to be that. worse than dust, then you know you've got a problem. Yeah, that's guy. Dang, let's just leave it at that. Uh, okay, let's, let's get this one. Go ahead, Armos. Uh, you uh, you design a game that's supposed to have hard counters in it, and said said target of the hard counter uh, turns around and still annihilates the hard counter in one shot. Yeah. Wait, man. The ESS versus the Liberators. Liberators can take an ESF out to one shot. <laughs> yep. And okay. when you have low server numbers, it it's too it's too easy for the Liberator. 
Okay, I, I mean, sure. Client I mean, side too has a problem where it has to balance for both low player numbers and high player numbers. That changes the saturation of AV. In my opinion. What well, was I'm, that code? Okay, I, I just didn't hear you. I said it fails on both, in my opinion, as far as I remember. I don't okay, know. That was I don't know if they changed it from before. Sorry. I don't know if they changed it from before, but I've been told that it feels like the same level of bad as before, maybe even slightly worse. So I would say that it is still bad. And this is by from like 30 people that I used to play Planet Site 2 with, so I kind of know. And I, I think in some cases that Planet Side 2 is actually probably a good test case example for why you can't just open world something and, and leave it at that, because it, it's it's just imbalanced. Oh god, no. I would never say that something like this should be done in any game for, like, a Planet Side 2 model in any game should never be done. Ever. It's just bad. It Look, doesn't make the, any sense. It the scratches that, an itch. Look, the thing it's that frustrates me... The thing that frustrates me with Planet Side Two, though, is that everything sh everything is so very sharded. You know, you have the East Coast server, you have the the West Coast server, and you know, and, and all everything in between. And I, I don't know that to me, it takes away a, a lot from um, um, the gameplay. I mean, I think I do think that Catmark um, uh, makes a good point, though. It does scratch an itch. I mean, it's not the gameplay is not completely awful. I mean, in the moment-to-moment -moment part of the shooter gameplay, um, the map design isn't completely terrible. Uh, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's going to, it's, you'll have people that are going to like it, obviously. Um, and people uh, will move to there's it. There's still some very terrible maps. You mean like Manus Peak? Oh, wait, sorry, we're talking about a different game, right? We yeah, we fixed there's it. It's better now. <laughs> there's okay. an underground base with just capture points outside and the spawn points in the underground portion. So the only way to get to the try to defend your capture point is to go on the surface where every single tank on hillsides pointing down into the base is pointing at. So yeah, that, which I of that. the maps That's and stuff does that not sound like? <laughs> that sounds familiar. <laughs> this base has no cover on the outside. Like none at oh. all. Dust. And the only thing that it has is like a knee-high wall that prevents a tank from getting in. That's about it. Okay. Sounds what like what you're describing like this is this is what I, I hear when everybody's talking <laughs> hey. about Planet Side 2. If you took like both Dust, the current version, by the mind you, the current version of Dust, and what I think is like I haven't played obviously the current version of Planet Side 2, you know, on PS4, okay. So if you took those, I would say they're probably in the same tier of you know, a lot of potential but mediocre but for different reasons. That's exactly what you're describing to me. And it's not about one game necessarily being truly better or worse than the other at this point. From what I can tell, it's literally about what what things do you value more or you, or are you willing to put up with more depending on the game. The thing that Planet Side 2 ultimately will provide that Dust cannot provide is the ability to play with bigger numbers and organize with bigger numbers like what you had in mag that's that is what that is probably the biggest thing that you can have in it that where you have a clear difference because you can fence with this isn't balanced or that isn't balanced this doesn't feel good that feels better all day long but you're really talking about two fairly comparable games other than the raw number of uh, players on the field at one time yeah i regret not getting into mag when it was sort of thing 
Arguably, when I've been playing Planetside 2 lately, the numbers on them are... They're so embarrassing to even mention, because that's why one four can actually field more players than some than the entire continent can in Planetside 2 it, during the times I usually play. Yeah, but Damn. Isn't, that, just... isn't that very dependent on your server? And do do we want to mention the... Uh... The last time I played, it was six. It was six blues and three reds and two purples. That's uh, okay. that's sad. One all of Amherst. One thing worth uh, worth mentioning probably is actually what uh, the Sony Online Entertainment CEO has been saying over the last couple of days. Because um, he's been talking this week, he's been uh, providing some real talk about uh, Planet Side Two's finances, um, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, they actually said that they've been that it's just been in the last couple of months they've been able to kind of break even on operating costs for Planet Side Two, and that they've been losing money on that game for over two years. What? How? And that's with, with even even being as popular as it as it is in that it actually gets like a lot of uh, of coverage and blogs and stuff. It's been losing money for two years. That's actually not uncommon though for a free to play game. To well, not he mentioned start. specifically operational costs, not not the loan loan development. Yeah, they 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 were specifically saying they just started breaking even like on their month to month costs versus well, income. Those servers are probably expensive. <laughs> Four thousand. How many players is that per server that uh, they can handle? Two thousand per continent. Yeah, two thousand a server that can handle two thousand players must be pretty good. Although, how much they can handle and how many they're actually handling is apparently different. Dude, you really don't want to start talking about, like, trying to compare usage PCO. numbers of any other game to Dust. And you you and I both know that. <laughs> well, hey, Iron Wolf just said they had, like, ten players on, man. <coughs> CCPPR. <coughs> well, that's a smart server. I don't know about anybody else's. How many, how many servers do they have? They started with, like, 15. They're down, like, to 6 now, I think. And they're talking about merging my server again, so that's gonna I be fun. I thought it was five. Because hmm. if you, if they're getting like ten players, they might they might as well just have one server if they're if that's how many they're getting on one server of yours. Well, yeah. my server's been considered always unpopular for whatever reason. Maybe because you were there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hey, I don't suck that bad with the Phoenix. That little shit IVS. <laughs> currently, currently there are five servers. Uh, uh, US. U.S. East, two EU servers, and one AU server, uh, one Australian server, which I think we know a certain game that no longer has an Australian server at all. Black Lives. Oh. I, I will say this, just like as I, I'm sitting here thinking through this, I actually would like them to bring take all those servers that they shut down in Australia and move those fucking things to South America, because I'm about sick of uh, firing up dust. And then getting like a lag, like this is like, I've actually seen more lag in the last month than I've seen probably the entire time I've been, been playing outside of like some PC matches or back when the, uh, the Re Glente research facility is really bad. Like I'm, I'm actually starting to notice more routine lag and latency for, you know, I, I, the only thing I can think of is it's from the, the large influx of South American players. I, I would, I'm, Almost at the point, I'd like them to have their own server. You know, it's kind of weird. I never, like, even when people were complaining about lag, uh, I mean, not frame rate, yeah. frame rate, I always had problems with, uh, but lag, I never seem to have the issues that other people are reporting. 
Yeah, same here. I've, uh, in terms of latency issues, I've never, I've not really had much of any issue with it is latency very, issues. It's in very uncommon. That's that's the reason I say that is because, uh, like, if you asked me this like a couple weeks ago, I would have said I'd have been very much in the same boat. Like, I, it's it was rare for me to well, experience something I that was truly, assumed, truly aggravating. I was assuming that it's because of my geographical location that was unusual. I would note that uh, Ratati actually posted um, a few days ago that one of the things that um, they were looking into was uh, cloud hosting of, of battle servers, um, which would potentially um, change up the, the server structure and how they can work with it. But um, I, I mean, the, the wait, could you repeat that? I missed that. There, there cloud was a base servers. Yeah. Um, and uh, that would offer a lot of flexibility to them. Um, but uh, I, I honestly, I don't think a lot of the lag is server based. It's, it's, it's definitely there's geographic components I think there's definitely components in terms of um, different PS3s and how those PS3s, like you know, they're they're pe- people act like one of the console perks is that they're all this the, is the all, the, all the hardware is the same. The hardware is not the same. There's like eight different uh-huh. versions of the PS3, and then they're in various states of age or disrepair. There's uh, also hardware. Some hardware, which do make some, a huge difference. Some as well. hardware, yeah, like there's I a small variation it. between its CPU, even if it's the same architecture, even if the same everything. When manufacturing, the there's always small imperfections. So some PS3s are actually slightly stronger than others. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of factors involved in that. I mean, it, just because it's you know. Like we talk about computer cooling and, and stuff like that, but PS3s need cooling too. And if you if you have like a different airflow situation, you can have different performance between your PS3s. And I, I, I think that dust, it, whether you want to say it's because of what it can do or because of inefficiencies in coding, um, it pushes the PlayStation 3 to the absolute edge. And I, I think that some people's PS3s just, just can't handle it. Well, I mean, but at the same time, performance isn't the same thing as latency. And I think a lot of people have um, will miss, you know, they will misunderstand what's going on with their system, whether they're having a latency issue or whether they're having an actual performance issue. Um, oh, yeah. was a, that was a huge, huge, huge deal um, back in the early days of Planetary Conquest when um, CCP actually ran like tests with Player Corps, trying to because it was trying to figure out what was performance issues, uh, you know, memory leaks and that sort of thing, and what was actually latency issues. And in a lot of cases, the issues in in Planetary Conquest ended up being performance issues uh, with memory leaks and also with voice chats and stuff like that, and not actually um, directly related to latency issues in terms of server locations and stuff like that. Also, Dust uh, surprisingly handled latency pretty well when I remember I had a PC fight against Nyansan, and it was on their server. So I was pretty laggy, but Dust handled it pretty well uh, from my memory. Like, I didn't have issues with hit detection. I didn't have issues with movement. It was surprising. I murked out with some corp I cannot remember. And we was fighting some Brazilian corp in PC. It was actually pretty good. I had actually no lag. I was surprised. I was like... No, I had lag. It's just that I could No, I had zero lag. That was so weird. Just that it didn't affect me in in actual combat. It worked pretty well. I was actually really surprised that I had no lag because I was like, this is a Brazilian court. They're in Brazil. I'm not lagging at all. Wait, where How? do you live, Golden? 
I live in Atlanta. Why? Well, because you're going to be... Impossible. If you're playing someone in Brazil, they're on the North American server, too. Uh, yeah, which and is you're closer to the And you're closer to it than they are. Yeah, it's, it's not Austin. that close. It's in Austin, Texas, I'm pretty sure, is the where the main battle servers for U.S. are located. It would <laughs> still take me a couple of days to drive all the way to Brazil versus driving to, say, Texas. Dude, you can get there in one day. I used to drive. Nah, I, I could get there in, like, ten hours. Easily, yeah. Easily. No, but, uh, yeah, I, anyway, like, the I didn't mean to get it into a huge discussion there, but... I, I guess it's one of those I've I've been seeing just minor issues more and more and more and the only real change is an influx of uh, you know a, a growing uh, minority of of the player group that are from I think South Central America I suspect maybe Mexico but it's definitely South Central America uh, so there may actually be zero linkage between those you know that anecdotal experience but i i've i've kind of looked around on the forums i've noticed a lot of other people calling that out i don't know if it's like kind of just this sort of like you know urban myth you know but i i, I could kind of see where it might be a possibility i just don't know enough about the you know it actually kind of makes sense because think about it ps4 has been out ps3s are probably getting real cheap so people down there can afford well, it more. Well, that's pretty. That's so. a pretty common experience. That's one of the reasons that you see games will get popular in different different parts of the world at different times in their life cycle. So large chunks of Asia, particularly in Korea, for example, they will be about a year and a half behind in the game market. Now they have a, a very strong game market on their own of regionalized games, but um, things that are real big over in North America. Uh, particularly things like this where you have like like MMO style activity, they actually gravitate to different parts of the world at different times in their life cycle. And you, you can find a lot of examples of that. Uh, but Terra. Yeah, that's that's not a bad one. Or hell even Starcraft. Um, but there's but that's not uncommon that you will but as the price point for things drop, it becomes much more available to folks in different parts of the world. That's that's not evil, it's just how it is. So I Maybe perhaps that's what it is, is the PS3 is um, like the player counts of folks from you Europe, Australia, North America. Yeah. Well, no, it's not even, not about poor people. It's just about its relative availability of the systems. No, nah, I'm joking. I'm just making a poor peasant joke. Ah, okay. Ew. Carry on then. Where's Victor when you need him? Uh... <laughs> Fucking Victor. <laughs> All right. Well, I, th I think we've I think we've hit on pretty much every topic we wanted to tonight. So we have, um, and then some. Absolutely, and that's a good that's a good thing. Um, so let's go ahead and hit, hit shout outs, and we're going to start at the top, just like we open it up. So, Cat Merc, if you can throw a shout out to his brother. Shout out to all of my cat minions. Excellent. Okay, Godin. Uh, shout out to all my fish minions and Zerd, the sexy tentacle man. Uh, I'm, I I, am I'm not even, I'm not gonna go near that. Okay, <laughs> Iron Wolf. Uh, shout out to Catmark for not sending his cat minions to kill me this week. Okay, it will right. happen eventually. Kane, <laughs> and just a shout out to the Dust community for sticking with this crazy game for so long. Oh, well said. Uh, crazy game for crazy people. Uh, shout out to Godin or Godin for finally being on the show. It's good to hear your voice and actually have you on here. You're welcome. 
Yeah, Goatner, are you going to remind him you were an OSG for a hot minute and you actually spoke to him? I, I did actually uh, remember him being an OSG. I didn't know if I actually spoke to you on the comms, though. You have several times, actually. Uh, I, I, I was there I, and I remember it. You, you, you can't expect me to pay attention. Come on. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you were only the CEO. I'm just I, actually t- I actually talked to Goat in like a really, really long time ago because he, he, he was in my he's in my local channel. I am what? I don't. I think so. No, I no, I've never seen you from like there. A, from like an age. I remember ago. local chat, and I don't remember yeah. seeing you at all. Not really. Once. Okay, no. that could be crazy. It's okay. Maybe I was flying around, and then maybe it was a different. I saw country. you. I don't know. It, it was probably me. I might have been flying around, and then stopped in your system and started talking to no, you. No, it was a dust player. I, I'm just trying to think if it was. You or someone else then, maybe. I don't know. Okay. On that note, it's Razel. Shoutouts? Yeah, I'm going to give my shout-out to uh, my friend who goes in uh, uh, Eve under the name uh, Mavra um, for coming up with uh, simple but brilliant solutions to everyday problems that completely escape me. Dang. I was going to give that shout-out to that guy that tried to shoot me. I just remembered that. Shout-out to the guy who shot me. Okay. Uh, I guess I will throw a shout out out to. Let's see what random dude. Hang on. Let me look at the Biomass chat channel. Shout out to the janitor. Ooh, okay. Here we go. All right. So shout out to John Ripper and Jadek Menaheim. And. Ripper's the other lucky winners. Hinox. Big shout out to Hinox. Bam. Havoc. The Baconator. And I'll call that a. Uh, call that done for shout outs so uh i think we're going to bring this episode to a close guys really good discussion i uh, appreciate you guys coming on and for, for all of you out there in the listening audience i'm putting the call out now we we would like some new and different points of view and topics so we're interested in you guys contacting us for getting on the show uh so if you have any interest in uh coming on and Get having like an open mic day or just having being a part of the discussion, you're more than welcome to come on. Just contact myself, Pokey, or Soraya. Uh, we're just trying to open it up right now to get a lot of different voices from the community on uh, and, and kind of uh, exchange some ideas because I think I think Dust generally is in a good spot right now. Uh, the community is in a good spot. Who knows where it spots CCPs in? They might be fucking dead as disco and we just don't know it yet, or they might be literally sitting on a winning lottery ticket and they're going to drop something huge in about a month on us. Um, so we, we don't know, but we are enjoying the time that we have as a player community right now. Well, two of um, us, so. well I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes I don't even know about them guys, but yeah. So um, with that, I think we're going to uh, go ahead and call this a call this a night and get a hold of us. If, if you have any topics, feedback for the show, or you're interested in coming on. So guys, thanks a lot. And biomast is out. Hello.